engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. It is nine after the hour, and I am Eric Erickson. I am here until God knows when, uh, when when the polls close, and the polls close at seven o'clock, and then we'll be here probably until uh, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock. We'll see how quickly this thing wraps up. Turnout is low across the state. Uh, the campaigns are trying to get their voters out, um, but they are. Um, I, I, I don't know that there is a plan in place to try to persuade people who are still undecided to get out. Uh, now, that all that being said, here's the situation we've got on the ground. Uh, it is, with low turnout, the possibilities are endless for surprises. Uh, we may find a very big surprise in the lieutenant governor's race tonight. I am hearing from people in both the David Schaefer and the Jeff Duncan uh, camps that it is very, very close. Um, I am hearing that th- there's at least one private poll that had Jeff Duncan pulling into a very narrow lead, which a lot of people did not expect. Uh, we'll see if he's able to to win this tonight. Uh, the Duncan camp telling people they expect it to be very close with him on top. Uh, the Schaefer people saying the exact same thing. So who knows? Um, the Secretary of State's race, I don't think anybody has a sense of this. Uh, Brad Raffensperger has spent a ton of money on advertising and signs that may be able to give him an advantage, although David Belisle is first on the ballot there, uh, just name-wise, which gives you a percentage point or two. The big issue, though, is Kemp and Cagle. Here's the situation. Those of you who support Casey Cagle, it is not over. Uh, polling suggests that Kemp has pulled into a lead, but with low turnout, as is happening around the state, anything is possible. There is time to go vote. You have until seven o'clock. If you very much want to support Casey Cagle in this race, you need to go turn out for him. If you want to go support Brian Kemp, turn out for him. Uh, the side that generates the most turnout, guess what? That person wins. So with low turnout, both sides have advantages. It's hard to guess. Everybody's in the waiting game until polls begin to close. Now, complicating evening weather in parts of the state is rain. Uh, The rain basically goes up 85 from Doraville, uh, up to, well, well outside the listening area, and and then down 75 from the airport. There's a line of storms from essentially Stockbridge down past Macon. Uh, there's also a big cluster of storms in the Winder-Watkinsville-Athens area, and then there's a the strongest storms that I can see on radar right now. Actually, you know what? I'm looking at Middle Georgia radar. Let's adjust to the Atlanta radar so I can get higher up. The strongest storms I see right now are in the Swanee, uh, area. They're headed towards Lawrenceville. There's a lot of lightning in these storms. The strongest part of it is right over 985 and 85. So there's a lot of rain in that area. It's not a huge storm cell, uh, but it's putting out a lot of rain. Most of the rain on the south side now is to the west of 75. Lovejoy, Hampton, Sunnyside, Experiment, Griffin, y'all are all going to be getting rain here shortly. Uh, there's a lot of wind in front of this. If, if you're, you look outside and you see your trees blowing hard, that's your sign on the south side that the storm is approaching. Uh, you can actually see this this band of wind in front of the storms on the radar. So all of that will affect uh, weather. When it's raining on Election Day in the general election, that tends to help Republicans. When it's raining like this on a runoff election, all it does is it keeps Republican voters home because eh, they'll let everybody 
everybody else decide. If you support Kemp, you support Cagle, Schaefer, Duncan, Belle Isle, Ravensburger. There's judicial races out there as well, some runoffs at the local level. Get out, support your guy, uh, and then we will see later this evening what the polls actually suggest. Now, I want to do something here in these last hour and a half, two hours before the elections. I I normally do this every year on Monday. Uh, There was so much going on yesterday, we didn't get to it, but we are going to open the phone lines, and if you want to make a last-minute pitch for your particular candidate, we will take that here in this hour, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let us know what you think. I will tell you who I voted for. I always try to be rather honest with you guys, uh, and I voted for Brian Kemp for governor. I voted for David Schaefer for lieutenant governor, and I voted for David Belisle for secretary of state. Um, this has absolutely nothing to do with the other people. It is not intended to be slights on them. Um, some of them I do not know. It's just I know these individuals, uh, Belisle the least of all, although I've had several positive encounters with him. Uh, the other two I've, I've known for quite a while, uh, and I like them and would be happy to see them as uh, Kemp and Schaefer as governor and lieutenant governor. Um, that is not to tell you to go vote for them, but to tell you how I voted, and you have your opportunity to tell us uh, how you want people to vote uh, or how you voted, which is fine. We will see how this shapes up in November. I do have to say, if I were... Whoever wins, Governor, whether it's Schaefer or, or not Schaefer, I'm sorry, Kemp or Cagle, I think one of the very first ads I would do is go out to Stone Mountain, go to the top of it and stand on it, use a helicopter to zoom in so you're close and then zoom out to see where you're standing and just say, my opponent wants to blow this up. Vote for me. That's going to be an attack. Uh, I know it's going to be an attack because it's a line that was used uh, in uh, at the Kemp rally with the vice president. It is a line that Casey Cagle has used. It is a line the Republican Governor Association has used. This is coming, and it's going to be an issue. Polling has shown time and time again that there is no appetite among Democrats or Republicans to refight the Civil War monument fight. Uh, Even in Virginia, Democrats in Virginia, where this has been a hugely contentious issue, Democrats in Virginia, in fact, a slim majority of black Democrats in Virginia, where this was a huge issue on the campaign trail there in um, last year's governor's race, they have no desire to start tearing down monuments uh, to the Confederacy. And we're going to see that happen in Georgia. The polling is very, very similar here. Democrats and Republicans, white voters by overwhelmingly, black voters by slim margins, uh, do not care to refight these fights. And this is going to be an issue the Republicans wage against uh, Stacey Abrams, who got out there quickly and started saying we need to tear down Stone Mountain. Um, that's it's going to be an issue for a large segment of voters, and it will affect voters inside the perimeter. Now, the other issue that's going to affect voters inside the perimeter is going to be the economic issue, I suspect. We're already seeing uh, both Cagle and Kemp anticipating uh, the Abrams candidacy by making tax and spend arguments. I think you're going to see a rollout of policies uh, from the Abrams side, and the Republicans are going to ask the question of how exactly do we pay for this stuff without raising taxes? 
And I don't know that you're going to get an answer there. And there's also going to be the attacks on liberal, 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 or progressive, 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 progressive. They're going to be made dirty words. Um, we know what the Democratic attack will be on uh, Brian Kemp if he's the nominee, and that'll be voter suppression. There are stories circulating right now that Brian Kemp threw something like 600,000 people off the rolls, made it harder for black people to vote, suppressed the vote, denied the vote, on and on and on and on. Uh, I, I don't know that that will be effective because, by and large, uh, people actually like voter integrity. And frankly, I think there's a pivot there for the Kemp campaign if he's the nominee to say, look, what do you want? The Russians to steal the election? We got to have tighter voter security. You, you people are convinced the Russians are stealing the election. The only way to make sure that doesn't happen is to make sure we have good voter rolls. Uh, you can easily pivot on that. Uh, you can pivot on that a whole lot easier than you can on the issue of blowing up Stone Mountain. It's going to be an ugly, nasty general election, isn't it? It is 25 after the hour. You got about an hour and a half left to go vote. Uh, your turn. Call in tonight. Uh, tell us about your voting experience or who you want people to vote for. 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Bob and Tucker, you're first. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Um, I was wondering about a robocall. Uh, to get your comment about a robocall I got uh, recorded by Newt Gingrich. Uh, he was favoring... Um, uh, Schaefer, and I know Schaefer has been running radio ads, uh, or Duncan has been running re- negative ads about shameful Schaefer. Right. And I don't know much about this issue, and I was wondering if you could comment on it. Look, uh, so David Schaefer has been in politics in Georgia for a while and has accumulated a healthy list of enemies among his own colleagues in the state Senate where he would be their leader. And some of the leadership guys there don't want him because they think he would curtail some of their power. Schaefer behind the scenes was um, a big proponent of the religious liberty legislation, uh, the faith-based adoption protections, things like that. And some of those guys are out to get him. Um, I, I like Schaefer. I think Schaefer is conservative. I don't have anything negative to say about his opponent, though. A lot of this is just uh, internal Senate feuds that are coming out uh, in the run-up to the election as both sides go negative, trying to convince people to attack the other side. I don't I wouldn't believe the attacks. I will say this, uh, that David Schaefer has been in politics for a very long time. He was the executive director of the Republican Party when Newt Gingrich uh, was involved on the national scene. So they've got a friendship there. And I think either guy would be fine. Uh, Listen, I supported Schaefer. I've known him. He's a friend of mine. I've had several friends of mine who are begging me to savage uh, Jeff Duncan. I've had uh, several friends of mine say I needed to spend a lot of time beating him up. I'm not going to. I don't know him. Everyone I know who knows Jeff Duncan thinks the world of him. But I know David Schaefer, and I think the world of him, and he's who I voted for. But I'm not going to slam the other guy uh, when so many people I know like the guy. Uh, Eric from Winder, you're next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. And I think we lost Eric. Okay, that's probably for the best because looking at the clock, uh, we've only got about a minute. So when we come back, we're going to keep taking your phone calls. Who would you vote for? What was your voting experience like? I will tell you my voting experience. So I was baking a cake for the kids this afternoon. And I got on a phone call at 2.30 talking to a buddy of mine. Uh, we were going through what all I was going to talk about tonight. And I said, you know, it's kind of a slow news day other than the, the farm subsidies. And he kind of laughed and said, uh, I'm assuming you're talking about the election. I said, oh, blankety blank, I forgot to go vote. 
So I had to run out and go vote. Luckily, my precinct is uh, not even half a mile from my house, and there was no one. I was in and out of my voting precinct in under, I want to say five minutes, definitely 10, but probably under five minutes. It was quick. There was nobody in there, and that's the report from across the state. Very slow turnout today. is 39 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Kyle in Athens. Welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. Um, listen, when I walked into the polling place today, my, my approach was pretty simple. On the micro level, I mean, the macro level, you got two pretty identical candidates. I mean, what bills they're going to um, sign, they're, they're the same. But I voted for Cagle, and my thing was you just can't – and I can't reward that sleazy being complicit with that recording stuff. I just think it was filthy, and him being complicit with that made me sick. Um, plus, this might sound pity, but I can't stand an endorsement. I think it, I think vote for somebody based on an endorsement just gives somebody way too much power. So just because the president endorsed Kemp, you know, I think – just assuming that that Republican vote is going to go that way, I think that provides them too much power. So we will. Well, no, I guess the 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 Kemp campaign would push back and say, "What about Governor Deal, who who he, he kind of started the endorsement ball in the last week?" Yeah, I mean, I don't really have a <laughs> no, no, no. That, I mean, that's that, okay. But. I I I could anticipate. Listen, I I appreciate it, Kyle. It is going to be interesting. Uh, on the deal endorsement, I had a, a little birdie not connected to either campaign tell me that it was his judgment based on data he had seen that the deal endorsement actually hurt Cagle. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, I, I, I'll I'll give you a sense of that here in a bit. Um, but Phil and Roswell, uh, what you thinking? Hey, Eric, great to be on the show. Big fan of yours. Good honor, big honor to be on your show. You know, I initially was, was a camp man because I'm a Lambda Chi, and I got a call from him. He called a lot of Lambda Chi, a lot of my brothers are supporting him. But, you know, as a businessman, I looked at the records, and the, the records clearly were on Cagle's side. So, you know, I, I told him, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm voting for, you know, for Cagle. If, you, if you're the nominee, I'll, I'll vote for you in November. But right now, Cagle just seems like the better man has actually accomplished something. And, you know, Brian's a great guy, you know. Yeah, you know what, Phil, I just would like to compliment you on actually looking at the records instead of going based on fraternity membership. That that, that speaks highly of your character right there, whether I agree with how you voted or or not. The the fact that you actually looked at their records and made a judgment as opposed to saying, hey, we're in the same fraternity. I like that. Got a lot of bad texts today already. Uh, <laughs> I put it out on Facebook, and uh, a lot of my brothers so L- listen. Me up, but we'll I have to. A couple of tequila shots, I'm sure. <laughs> Look, thanks very much for the phone call. Yeah, I just y'all. This is I. I would vote for either one of them. I. This is one of the things I like about this election is is I'd be happy to vote for either one in November. I uh, I got a preference, but it doesn't mean I, I despise the other guy. I'm I'm perfectly happy with either one of them. Um, we we will do we'll do well. Um, Larry in Cherokee County, welcome. Yeah, hey, Eric. Uh, I, I voted for, absolutely for, uh, Cagle. For the last eight years, there's been no issues, and all of a sudden the establishment, you know, uh, comes out against Cagle. 
And Eric, uh, during the primary, they called Cagle the establishment, but it's very clear. As far as the comment about Deal hurting him, I don't think so. If you recall back in uh, March 16th of 2016, uh, you know, you yourself called for a third-party alternative to Trump. Well, um, the same thing is with with uh, Kemp. Kemp came out, uh, went to a fundraiser for Kasich, and after the friendship, everybody develops friendships, Eric. And after Cagle uh, was released from his obligation of support, he went straight to Trump, and then he appeared before the the uh, RNC at the convention. So I'm going to go with the character and the integrity and the straightforwardness of the lieutenant governor. As far as uh, deal goes, I am proud that I came out in 2010 early for him. So how's it going to play out and hurt him? How can over 70% approval rating in Georgia, Eric, Governor Deal's rating, how can that possibly so, hurt let, anybody? You know, I, I'm glad you asked that question. Thanks, for Larry, for the phone call. And, and by the way, let me set the record straight on this on this Kasich thing. Uh, Kemp did not support Kasich. Uh, his campaign has made this very clear, and other candidates, including President Trump, have made it very clear uh, that Kemp being Secretary of State opened the door to everybody. Uh, everybody came in. Uh, he he organized things for Jeb Bush. He organized things for Ted Cruz. He organized things for John Kasich. He organized things for Carly Fiorina, organized things for Mike Huckabee, and he organized things for Donald Trump. In fact, he, he organized two separate things for Donald Trump because the first one fell through due to the Charleston uh, church shooting. So he was not a Kasich supporter, and it, it's it's kind of funny to see that uh, that Kasich or Kegel's campaign is trying to tie him to Kasich uh, when he actually helped every single one of the Republican candidates. Now, uh, as for why the deal endorsement, according to this political strategist friend of mine, may actually have a, a negative impact. You know, before I answer that, let, let me you got a couple of people who voted for Kemp in the interest of balance. Let's balance this out. Laura, welcome. Hey, Eric. It's Laura. How you doing? Great. How are you? Good. I was going to tell you, um, I like both candidates, but what it boiled down to is I didn't want Nathan Deal 2.0. I mean, I like Nathan Deal, but the deals he backed out of, like RIFRA and Campus Carry and a few other things, and the fact that he's bent over for the Hollywood establishment just really rubbed me the wrong way. And Cagle came across as Nathan Deal 2.0, and Kemp, being politically incorrect, kind of appealed to me. Well, you know, th- this gets to the point a friend of mine was making to, to counter Larry, and that that's well said, Laura. Thanks very much. Let me do one more here. Michael and McDonough, welcome. Hey, Eric. This is Michael. I'm McDonough. I voted for Kemp in the in the primary in the elect in the runoff in the election. Then I was considering voting for Casey Cagle, but when I heard Nathan Deal endorse Cagle, that's the deal for me that I need to vote for Kemp because there's a lady just before me said I just don't trust Kemp, and I just see Nathan Deal number two. Yeah, you mean you don't trust Cagle? You, you said you don't. Excuse trust me, Cagle. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, you see, the, the, Michael, the, you and Laura are getting to this issue that, that a, a strategist uh, mentioned to me. Just follow along with me here, and, and feel free to disagree. That's fine. But I, I trust this guy. He's got a very good sense of the state of Georgia. Everybody likes Nathan Deal, but the grassroots of the Republican Party are the ones who in polls suggest they've got problems with him because of campus carry, because of RIFRA, because he campaigned on passing those things and didn't. So then skip ahead. You have Clay Tippins recording Casey Cagle, who essentially echoes deal on some of these things that he thinks X is bad policy, but he had to support it politically. Um, but that's the last time I mean, this sort of thing is going to happen. 
because he thinks that school choice is a bad policy, even though he's campaigned on it. So you've got this feedback loop that starts on the trust issue. And then Governor Deal comes out and says, I'm not going to support. I'm not going to support. I'm not going to endorse. I'm not going to endorse. I'm not going to endorse. And then the last week comes out and says, oh, by the way, I am going to endorse Casey Cagle, who everybody kind of knew he was supporting anyway. It, it, it looks very much like the uh, dynastic politics in Georgia that, that each person appointing their heir apparent, doing what they can behind the scenes to help them, uh, and, and the mendacity level of it. Uh, the grassroots voters of the Republican Party have for a long time had a trust issue with Deal and Cagle because of Riffer, because of Campus Carry, uh, e- even the, the Free the Beer legislation uh, from several years ago has rubbed grassroots voters the wrong way in certain ways, raised an issue of trust. And this, I got your back, you got my back politics thing, rubbed them the wrong way. And you see the establishment that has made these promises and broken them repeatedly, rallying now to Cagle, led by Nathan Deal at the bitter end. And suddenly that says to the grassroots voters, hey, I guess I'm a Kemp guy because I'm kind of tired of this. And ultimately that... And plus, when you actually looked at the undecideds, the majority of undecided voters uh, were undecided because they wanted to see who the president was going to support and then vote for that guy. All that kind of aligned at the end to send momentum headed towards Kemp, frankly. All right. Um, I'm going to take one more call here. Jerry and Alpharetta, you got to be quick, but who are you voting for? I voted for Brian Kemp, Eric. Uh, we think he's the real deal. He's a true Trump conservative. And I want a straight-talking guy being the governor of the state of Georgia. That works. Jerry, thanks very much. All right, folks, my apologies to the rest of you on hold. Uh, We're starting to get campaign volunteers calling in, and so I'm just going to go on and nip this in the bud and and stop taking these calls right now um, because... Uh, both sides. And I've already, by the way, I've, I've told the campaigns no today. Uh, multiple statewide campaigns called and said, "Could we? can we get the candidate on? And I didn't think it was fair to the other candidates at, at this late date to have any of them on. So I told them all no, uh, largely because it, it's just, you know how my clock is. And it's just not an, an equitable solution to try to get them on and give them equal time when you're in the last two hours before the vote. So you've got an hour to go vote. When we come back, we're going to cover some national news before the polls close. And I'll give you a lay of the land tonight of what to look for as the polls are closing and where the vote's coming from and what that may signal for you as the night goes on. It is nine after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB, and you have less than one hour. You got about 50 minutes to get in line to go vote in the 2018 Republican runoffs. Now, there are some local races, I believe, that are in runoffs. Gwinnett County has a couple that are in runoffs. Uh, There are some judicial races in runoffs. Uh, But the big ones are on the Republican side, the um, governor. Lieutenant Governor and Secretary of State. On the Democratic side, the school superintendent, state school superintendent. For the life of me, I have no idea why the insurance commissioner, the state school superintendent, the ag commissioner, the labor commissioner, even the attorney general and secretary of state for that matter, why they aren't gubernatorial appointments. And I can kind of get secretary of state, uh, but the others, I, I just don't understand why we need that many statewide office holders. Uh, the the labor commissioner, the and they're very nice people, by the way. I, I would support the governor appointing these particular people who've been elected, but do we need that many 
elected officials when the governor, these people influence and can shape the governor's agenda. So why not let the governor put his people in there? Uh, essentially, what we have in the gubernatorial office is duplicative offices to do the jobs of these various entities to shape the governor's policy. And I just think maybe we ought to consider amending the Constitution to allow the governor to appoint the labor commissioner, agriculture commissioner, insurance commissioner, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and the attorney general for that matter. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, that's not what I want to talk about this hour. We have voting. We will spend the rest of the night on that. I will give you some of the lay of the land here at the bottom of the hour of what to look for as the polls begin to close after 7 o'clock. We will take your phone calls. And I'm done with letting you call in, though, and tell me who you're voting for. Uh, but on the national news of the day, 404-872-0750, wsb talk I want to begin very briefly with the Carter Page situation that I have not spent a lot of time on. I didn't last night. The news broke over the weekend. The FISA warrant has been released, and tons of Trump supporters are screaming, see, 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 they relied on Christopher Steele. This is fraudulent. They shouldn't have done it, and I am sympathetic to the claim. Uh, we do not know the Christopher Steele documents were not confirmed. Now, a lot of people are saying they've been proven false. They've been proven all the Steele documents were were essentially gossip about the president. It was a collection of gossip about the president. And it's not that they were verified or not verified. It's that this guy was collecting. He originally was trying to collect information that was concerning. He eventually got so concerned he went to the FBI. But along the way, who was subsidizing his costs were the Democrats. The Democrats were collecting this gossip as opposition research to use against the president. They never used it against the president because there was no there there. And it does appear that Christopher Steele uh, dossier was a part of the uh, FISA application. Now, that being said, it's not the only thing that was used, and we don't know what else was used because I have read the documents, and they're so heavily redacted, anyone who says they know what's in them is full of it. You can't know what's in them because so much of it is redacted. I mean, folks, literally every single page, the majority of each page is redacted by and large, with very few exceptions on, on page number. From top to bottom, most of the stuff is covered in black. You cannot read it. So I have a hard time believing my friends who say, oh, this is all about Christopher Steele and the redacted parts are just the FBI doing CIA stuff because they don't want to look bad. I, how do they know? I, I, I don't know. And on top of that, Richard Burr is the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Richard Burr came out today and said, contra Devin Nunez in the House, that Richard Burr says he's familiar with the underlying uh, documentation, and he's familiar with all the, the methodologies by which the FBI, FBI justified the FISA application on Carter Page, and he thinks it was legit and that the judges did the right thing. And you are talking about multiple Republican judges appointed by multiple Republican presidents over a period of time, uh, Reagan, Bush, and Bush appointees who were overseeing this. Uh, there may actually now be a Trump one who, who also was, was fine with the FISA warrant. So I'm just not there yet in, in completely discrediting the thing. I get the motivation to want to discredit it, but there's something else you need to know that is being completely left out of the conversation. So here's the thing that is being left out of the conversation about the Carter Page FISA warrant. And I don't know if people are leaving out because they don't know or they think everyone knows, so there's no point in mentioning it. But Page was not related to the Trump campaign. 
was not connected to the Trump campaign, had, had no relationship to the Trump campaign when the FISA warrant was issued. He had already left. He was gone, well gone. I mean, that seems to me that that should shape motivation. How is this designed to get the president when the subject of the FISA warrant was well and truly gone, not involved with and have no connection to the campaign by the time the FISA warrant was issued? I, I got a real hard time tying this to the president. And I get both sides love to protect the precious. Everybody's got to protect their precious. It is now time for Republicans to protect their precious Donald Trump the same way that Democrats protected their precious Barack Obama. But I think that there is a determinative underlying motivation here that people don't seem to comprehend that there's no there there tying this to the president at this point because Page was well and truly gone from the campaign and had ceded all roles and had no responsibilities with the campaign by the time the FISA warrant was issued. And yet the FBI believed that there was probable cause to go to a federal judge and have them still surveil Carter Page what was going on? We've got no idea because it's all redacted. And you'll forgive me for not trusting either side's grand and elaborate theories as to what the underlying motivation was when we've got no idea. And this was all executed before the Mueller investigators. Now, I've got friends of mine who are so invested in defending the president on this that they feel the need to push back on, on this, and but even they can't really give me a rational explanation for why we should even be worried. In fact, they'll say we, we really shouldn't be worried, but the Democrats are spinning so hard that you got to push back or else they'll define the narrative. And I totally get that motivation. I, I really do. I think that's a legitimate motivation. When the Democrats say things over and over and over and over that aren't true and nobody can test them, eventually people start to think they're true. I get the motivation to push back. I think it's legitimate motivation. But I don't personally see how this implicates the president or ties to the president when Page had no relationship to the president when the FBI decided he was worth looking into. And based on what we have seen from the FISA warrant, so much of it is redacted, that there's got to be a problem there. Yes, do, was it related in some way to the campaign? We can certainly say that because the Christopher Seale dossier did play a role as to what extent the Christopher Steele dossier played overall, none of us can say because we haven't seen the whole thing. So let's just keep perspective on this. There's a lot that we don't know and be suspicious of anyone telling you definitively what's going on here because no one really knows with that much redacted and nobody's really talking. There does seem to be a concerted PR pushback from the page campaign when that always kind of makes me suspicious on both sides. When you see an organized PR effort and, and the person themselves trotting out and saying, see, I told you so, I would just be cautious on that. There's still a lot we don't know, but there is bipartisan consensus the Russians were motivated to meddle in the election. That doesn't mean the president collaborated with them. It doesn't mean there was collusion. It doesn't mean that the Russians worked to his benefit, but the Russians were trying to do something. And now we've got the Manafort case. We've got the Tony Podesta stuff. We've got the Tad Devine stuff. And now we got Carter Page. There, there's a there there of some kind. I just don't know what the there there is. And I don't know that anyone else does either. So... You're just going to have to forgive me for not having my mind made up on this stuff. I don't think you should have your mind made up on it either.
It's 25 after the hour. Eric Erickson here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Y'all, Harry's Razors founders were kind of like you and me. They felt locked in on super expensive razor blades. It's like buying a, a printer these days where you can get the printer for five bucks, but then you get the printer cartridges and they're a million bucks a piece and you're stuck. Uh, same with razor blades. You, you, you buy your razor and then your razor blades are what adds up over time and they just had enough. Uh, so they bought a world-class blade factory in Germany. They grind steel into sharp, durable blades. They're made to last and they give you a really great shave. And Harry's has gotten so popular that you can buy them now at Target and Walmart. They've got a great deal. If you've never tried Harry's Razors, now's the time. For a limited time, they got a special offer for listeners. New customers get $5 off a shave set from Harry's with code Erickson at harrys.com, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. That means you get a starter set, comes with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just 3 bucks, $3. And how much is shipping? Free. Yes, when you use code Erickson at harrys.com, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. You join millions of guys like me, I'm a Harry's customer, who've already switched by going to harrys.com today. Use code Erickson at checkout, claim your offer. They really are good blades. I am proud to be an endorser for them, and I just I love advertising for companies whose products I already use, uh, whether it's Bright Path or Harry's or Sherry's Berries, you name it. Uh, it's nice to, you know, some of you you call in and say the longtime listener, first-time caller is like longtime customer, first-time endorser. Uh, makes me happy. Now, I need to do a quick check of radar because there are storms in the area. They are starting to die down as the sun goes down, but uh, from Sugar Hill to coming to Dawsonville, you got a line of showers. The heaviest stuff right now is over 85 at the perimeter on the north side. Uh, Doraville, Tucker, Norcross, in there, you've got a very, very heavy storm. A lot of rain, not a lot of lightning. The Marietta, Fair Oaks area, right over 75 there. Uh, some rain and then over the brave stadium there is some very light rain there is light rain down by the airport uh, that trickles out to noonan scattered showers in the area very light stuff by and large uh, other than those heavy pockets and then you get up 575 you're mostly clear till north of jasper the heaviest stuff now is in the north georgia mountains in a line from lj all the way over to tacoa um, otherwise just some light showers, even it, it's winding down now in middle Georgia where we've had the, the worst stuff of the day. So when we come back, what do you need to look for tonight in the election? I, I want to go through the map with you and tell you what to look for there. There, there are a lot of unknowns tonight, particularly because turnout is so low. Um, seriously, folks, I, I'm not kidding. You can probably in a lot of places run in and out in less than 10 minutes and go vote. If you still haven't done so, you've got right at about 30 minutes before the polls close. And I, it took me less than 10 minutes. I want to say literally it took me less than five minutes. The longest thing it took was for me to fill out the little form that you have to do when you go in. Um, and, and fill out the little form to vote. That was that took me longer than actually going, having them check my ID, giving me the thing, and actually voting. I had four races to vote for. I voted for Kemp for governor, Schaefer for lieutenant governor, David Bellow for secretary of state, and then we've got a local race uh, for a state house that went into runoff, and I voted for my friend Gary Bechtel, uh, who I go to church with, and that was it. I was in and out. There are the Democrats have a school superintendent race. If you're a Democrat, there are elections for you today. 
So go out and vote as well. And then there are some local races. Gwinnett County has a runoff. There are some local judicial races that have runoffs. We will really get into election coverage when we come back. Um, I'm not going to delve deeply into the farm tariff uh, subsidy story today because it's still developing. We'll have more on that overnight. Um, the election, though, 30 minutes from polls closing, and we'll find out who the Republican nominee is against Stacey Abrams. And we'll start all that when we come back. It is 39 after the hour. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Um, so where do we go tonight? Well, we will have the Republican nominees. Finally, seems like this has gone on forever. I really do kind of wish that, well, two things. One, I, I wish we didn't have the long wait. Uh, two, I really wish we would get rid of early voting. I think there is something civic about all of us turning up on the same day for the election. Make it a state holiday. I don't care. I think early voting is bad. How many people would have changed their minds if they knew Nathan Deal was going to endorse Casey Cagle? How many people would have changed their minds if they knew that President Trump was going to endorse David Schaefer, or Casey, uh, Brian Kemp, I'm sorry. Uh, I've got too many candidates swimming around in my head right now. <laughs> Most of these campaigns are texting me right now, you should know as well. Um, would that have made a difference? I, I just think early voting is a bad thing. I think it should be reserved for people who physically can't get to the polls on Election Day, and that includes our soldiers overseas. I've never liked the concept of early voting. I think we begin to take voting for granted as opposed to all of us making that commitment in our heads to show up on election day to go vote. And I wonder what would have changed otherwise. Now, I want to go back to the phones real quick because David and Cumming has been waiting for a while on this Carter Page issue before I get back into the elections. I do want to take this call. David, welcome. David? Well, I wanted to take the call, but oh well. Okay, so now we will move on. To everything else, I'm going to look at Hall County tonight because several people have suggested to me that Brian Kemp is doing better in Hall County than he should be considering that is Casey Cagle's hometown. The Gainesville newspaper offered withering criticism of Casey Cagle over the Clay Tippins audio, who, by the way, I, I think we're going to have to start calling Clay Tippins Kingmaker on here if if Kemp wins tonight that'll be Tippin's nickname i'm sure his his life will not be as painful for him <laughs> if Kemp win. you know if Kegel won i mean they would be pulling out the stops to have him out of a job and and force him to move out of state for some reason uh, he he i'm sure will get some blowback from people but uh, you know if if Kemp wins he's largely safe uh, and he will have had a lot to do with it I mean, the polling in this race really, really began to shift after the Tippins audio. Um, but I have heard that there is there are signs on the ground in Hall County, that's the Gainesville area, that the Kemp campaign is doing fairly well there. That's Cagle's home turf. 
The newspaper, as I said, was very, very critical of him over the Tippins audio. And there's a lot of people suddenly turning out for Brian Kemp that weren't expected. Now, you're also going to need to watch the Forsyth County, Cherokee County areas. And watch Macon as well, Bibb County, Bibb and Houston County. Cagle won Bibb County in the Republican primary, and the Kemp team has been very aggressive in the mid-state. They've been very aggressive in the out-of-Atlanta areas, the Columbuses, Valdosta, Albany, Savannah, Macon, Augusta. They've been working these areas since before the primary, doing a lot of grassroots down there, door-knocking and stuff. A buddy of mine actually owns the company that the Kemp campaign has used to keep track of their door-to-door stuff. It is amazing software, folks. Let me describe this for you if, if, if you're a candidate. It really is. I've never seen something like this. It's something I've always dreamt of. Maybe one day someone would build. Uh, and it's it's been built. There are several companies that have something like this. The Kegel campaign is using one as well. So here's the software. And the Kemp and the Kegel campaign are both using this sort of software. It's a get-out-the-vote, a voter-targeting software. Uh, a friend of mine runs, owns the company that uh, the Kemp campaign is using their software. And this buddy of mine tells me the Kemp campaign is just breaking records on door-to-door voter contact. Essentially, what you have is a database of every voter in the state. And you can cross-reference the voters to known additional databases, uh, psychographic profiles of voters. So, for example... If you want to target voters who are gun voters, who you know are Second Amendment voters, well, you pull in the NRA database uh, that is, in some cases, you can get, pull in subscriptions to Field and Stream magazine, pull in subscriptions to other gun magazines, and you get a pretty good idea of who the hardcore Second Amendment voters are. So then you want to go out and you want to connect to those voters on the Second Amendment. Uh, let's say you're Casey Cagle. You want to go vote for, you want those people to know the NRA has endorsed you. Well, you can send a mail piece, but you can also pull up and say, show me every voter and you draw a circle on a map, draw a polygon on a map, uh, pick a county, pick a, pick a precinct and say, show me every single voter who is either an NRA member or subscribes to a gun magazine and boop, there they are. And then you say, sort them so that I can do an easy walk list. Boop. Now take out the Democrats who, or take out the people who never vote in a Republican primary. Boop, they're gone. Suddenly you have only people who are known to vote in Republican primaries, who are NRA members or subscribe to, to gun magazines, and they're in an order that you can walk uh, without having to crisscross back and forth to make it the most efficient way possible. And you can go knock. And with your iPhone, you can pull up the person's name, knock on the door and say, hi, is, is Mr. Erickson home? Yes, I'm Mr. Erickson. Mr. Erickson, I'm with the Kemp campaign or the Kegel campaign. Uh, he's a pro-Second Amendment guy. Or if you're in Kegel, yeah, he's endorsed by the NRA. Uh, he'd really like your support. He wants to defend gun rights. Our Democratic opponent is for restricting gun rights in the state of Georgia. We need your support. Will you go vote? Yes. Boop. Or No. Or I'm supporting the other guy, boop. Or I'm not sure. You flag them that way, and then it goes back to the database. And next time around, okay, show me everyone who's undecided. Let's go visit that person again. 
And then it pulls up the map, and this time it's only the people who are still undecided. It shows you the issues that they care about. Oh, this person's the gun guy. Oh, this person's big on school issues. If you're the Kemp campaign, you're going to want to make sure to go through it. Have you heard the the Clay Tippins audio? Let me play it for you off my iPhone, and you're going to target people that way. It's very, very precise as to how they target these voters. It is very, very good. And both campaigns have been doing it, and I am told uh, by this friend of mine who runs one of these companies that he has never seen a ground game as aggressive at knocking on doors as the Kemp campaign. And if there's low voter turnout and he's got committed supporters, that could potentially matter tonight. We'll find out. Polls close in about 15 minutes. So I did a little research today, and I feel fairly confident saying this, that um, Brian or Casey Cagle makes history tonight, whether he wins or loses. And this is going to this trivia point has an actual impact on the election. Casey Cagle win or lose, will be the first candidate of either party. And, and I went back into the 90s. Uh, and so we're, we're talking a pretty significant time. I spent some time going through microfilm to try to find this data point. Cagle will be the first candidate of either party, at least since the since 1992, to go into a runoff in first place and see every losing candidate go with the other guy. In every other race I could find, going back to the early 90s, uh, when candidates, uh, when we had runoff situations, you would see the losing candidates split or go with the guy in first place and rally to that person. Uh, Seeing every single losing, Michael Williams, Clay Tippins, and Hunter Hill all went to Brian Kemp. And I cannot find a Democrat or a Republican statewide runoff where all of the candidates united for the second place guy headed into a statewide runoff. Uh, Pretty significant data point, I think. And the reason I think so is because when people choose a candidate in the primary and they're not going for the top guys, they're going for the outsiders, it's because they love those guys. And the Kegel campaign bragged about attacking those guys to keep them out of the runoff. And they got 20% of the vote. And we'll see if that impacts tonight's election.